some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. Uh, Dork Order comes out with a coffin and lawnmowers. And Pizzeria Uno tried to do a promo using his mean voice. You ought to see what a fucking plain, bland-ass, white boy, Putz McGee-looking fuck this guy is under this mask. It's um, it's incredible. That I've is- never seen... I've never seen a more nondescript looking human. This guy's the invisible man. Cause you would look right past him. You wouldn't even see anything. That has become um, your favorite name slash phrase. Putz McGee. Putz McGee. <laughs> uh, Cause that's what, that's what I would have named all these fucking guys in this company. Why did they bring out lawnmowers? What were the lawnmowers about? Did we understand that? Did they make any I did point not, of that? I did not get what that was. I thought I missed something. Uh, then maybe they got a new sponsor, the Snapper Lawnmower people. This was horrible. It looked like any local cable access TV wrestling show with guys that have got together with their friends to play wrestler. And then they introduced, he sh- they shouldn't call him the exalted one. They ought to call him the exhausting one, Brody Lee, because every time I see him, I get tired quick. He ordered Tony Schiavone to the ring. I wrote, has there ever been a more low-budget-looking heel group anywhere? Um... At least Brody started yelling to try to convince himself that he means what he says on his promos instead of that just monotone fucking blah he was doing. Did you did you hear him actually quote all you indie wrestlers no more TV time because he's taking Cody's title away, right? Yeah, that was great. All you all you indie wrestlers no more TV time. He should have said except for all the ones in my fucking group of <laughs> interchangeable midgets. He introduced Anna Jade. He introduced he was trying to say is a very she's a very important part of the dark order. He introduced a very important piece, Anna J. <laughs> Maybe a slip of the tongue there. <laughs> he knocked out one of his own guys for telling the guy was telling Brody how great he was, so he knocked him out. He kicked Tony out of the ring verbally. I wrote this is like the Three Stooges without the comedy. It just doesn't make any sense, but it's not funny. And then Brody Lee says, we are the hottest act in wrestling. This is, this is the kind of talent that is being produced, folks, that calls themselves acts on television. And we are the hottest act in wrestling. I'd have fired him for that alone. Dustin and QT Marshall hit the ring and got beat up. Well, imagine that. Two of them hit the ring where there's eight guys. What the fuck did they think was going to happen? And then Scorpio Sky hit and made a partial comeback because he only made a comeback on the people that fed for him. But he didn't go for the leaders of the group that he would really should be mad at. And all of them didn't feed him, just the ones that were supposed to take the bumps. So that then the girl gets in the ring and he turns his back on Brody Lee. Six foot seven, however many fucking hundred pounds to confront Anna Jay, the important piece. And then Anna Jay slaps him and Brody clotheslines him from behind. Colt Cabana never does anything, says anything, or touches anybody. He's just out there with this group because that's intrigue for all the fucking video game players that are fucking currently masturbating in their mother's basement before they open up a hot pocket. Uh, all the job guys got sloppy heat on the baby faces. Brody Lee left the ring with Colt Cabana so that... Here comes Matt Cardona to make a big comeback on all the job guys that they left him in the ring with. 
Why did Brody Lee leave with Colt Cabana? So that they didn't have to take bumps for Cardona's comeback. This is so contrived and obvious. This was all awkward. It didn't flow. It was obviously a series of staged spots. And it just, it's a goddamn mess. And they, that's the way they left that. <sighs> Any thoughts? Let me start with a positive. This was the best I've seen Brody Lee. I thought the promo was actually good because he got fired up and he was getting red in the face and he was yelling. I thought that was good. The fact that his whole crew, other than Cabana, Cabana looks like a grown wrestler who's dressed yeah. nicely. But for the most part, his whole crew just looked like a bunch of job guys. Uh, sorry, Matt Cordona, with, but with, with Sharpie With Sharpies on their chest. Yeah, it looks ridiculous. Dustin and QT come out. QT doesn't even get in the ring. He's holding his neck, and then Dustin's just getting his ass kicked. Made no sense. I don't know what the lawnmowers were. You know, a lot of people, you'll see this, and I've seen it for a while since he was Luke Harper, will say, Brody Lee reminds me so much of Bruiser Brody. Why? Because he has a beard? <laughs> what? He, has a, he has a beard, and he's tall. Yeah, what exactly reminds so me of Bruiser Abraham Brody? Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln reminds me of Bruiser Brody. There's a, though that's why he took the name because he's a big, tall, sloppy fuck with hair. So he wanted to call himself Brody. That's not his real name. Oh come on, that would be. I don't a know. I'm asking. I literally don't know. I don't know. If no, it, a, a guy that that everybody thinks is a copy of Bruiser Brody and probably thinks he himself is a copy of Bruiser Brody, calling himself Brody. I I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't. Who knows what Hold is? Hold on, real. I'm looking it up. Up and up. His real name is Jonathan Huber. Well, there you go. See, he should have been Spike. Spike Huber? Spike Huber. There you go.
Welcome, ladies and germs, to episode 221 of the Hoots Podcast. It's Thursday, September the 3rd, 2020. Hope you guys are having a wonderful day and wonderful week so far. It is just truly the nefarious Brother Adam, other known as Joshy Lopez. Hope you guys are having a good week, like I mentioned. Um... I'm chilling here on a Thursday live in my studio apartment in Chicago, Illinois. Shout out to you, Cole Cabana. Um, I'm chilling right, chilling right now as i um, ready to dish out this bad boy for you guys this week. I want to send a special shout out to each and every single one of you who continue to listen to this podcast week in and week out. Your support really means a lot to me. And the fact that uh, we're almost <laughs> 12,000 listeners away from 200,000 on Anchor is a really cool accomplishment and very humbling for what we've been accomplishing as a podcast this year. And um, I, I just want to say thank you. Thank all of you for the genuine support each and every single week. Whether you retweet the show that I posted out on Twitter, where you listen to it for five minutes or a minute, no matter how long you listen to the show, if you press click, I really appreciate the support, so thank all of you. It's September, and i like to mention um, September is Suicide Prevention Month, so for anybody who deals in depression like I do, um, anybody that has a period in their time where they're feeling uh, just empty inside and you have really no choice to go to, there's a choice. You could call people, reach out to all your local suicide prevention hotlines and, you know, any obstacle that comes in front of you, there's nothing you can't go past through. Um, there's really no reasoning or understanding or nuanced conversations that we could have on why Suicide is a justified route to go for some people, um, but I'd rather see people push through than just ending their life on that reason alone. I, I, I think we all could push through anything that comes in our life, and there's a lot of aspects through our life that just absolutely sucks where you're at a point of no return. So Suicide Prevention Month is a very important month, and I think that uh, for anybody who's right now feel just empty, you're waking up crying, you're going to sleep crying, you're going out, you're going out throughout your day and nobody's home. Like, you have yourself within you, but internally you're just not there. And I think um, a, a lot of issues masking today's society is mental health. And uh, we lash out at people and it just causes more drifts and problems that we don't need in this country. And... Um, I, I take mental health very seriously, and there, if there's anybody who's listening to the sound of my voice who deals in depression, have had suicide thoughts, or even tried to commit suicide before, please reach out to me, and I could speak from experience, and we could have a deep conversation. I want to help each and every single one of you who deals with depression, because it's something that's very important, and it's something that not a lot of people take seriously, and I think that's unfortunate as well, because it is a serious issue. And, that, and the fact the fact of the matter is is that uh, mental health issues is just as prevalent as any cancers that are out there. There's nothing that tops one, in my opinion. But mental health is something that we should pay more attention to as the days and years go by. So Suicide Prevention Month in September, please reach out to people. People do care about you. And only you could push yourself throughout any obstacle that's put in front of you. And I want to say another message here of advice. The same walls that you're pulling up 
the same walls that you're putting up in front of people in your life are, are the same walls that are blocking your blessings. I just wanted to mention that as well. All right, real quick, some plugs. I want to uh, direct you guys to ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. That's my website where I have all the play-by-play articles for all your favorite pro wrestling televised shows. Also, I have uh, transcripts for AEW Dark and every single uh, piece of event that New Japan Pro Wrestling produces. We'll be talking about New Japan throughout this podcast this week. And uh, we got a lot to get to. We got a recap uh, payback for this past Sunday. Uh, we got another preview coming up on Saturday for AEW All Out. And boy, do we have a what the hell is wrong with AEW segment for you guys this week. Um, if the Jim Cornette intro that I used in the intro hasn't given you an indicator of where I'm going with <laughs> today's show, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, <laughs> so we'll get to that. I do have a thoughts of Derrico from Burke Hart, which you guys will hear at the end of the podcast. And, of course, I'll take any questions from you guys. And we have a great question from our good brother, a good brother uh, Tony S. from the TBD Wrestling Podcast that I'll hit on during the AEW segment as well. So, um, lots to get into, but please bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I want to say thank you. And um, if you like what you're hearing, if you like the direction the show represents, it's basically... Me, I want to have the vibe like I'm sitting next to you in a back porch and we're talking about professional wrestling. That's basically what the Who's Pockets is. We're here. Uh, I have nothing to hide. Uh, I have nothing to be ashamed of. I have, I, I'm a person that can speak for, within myself because I know who I am with, inside. I don't have people to speak for me. I don't come on here every single week and have fabricated opinions. These are just my perspectives. I'm not expecting anybody to agree with everything I say. I am not a wrestling expert. I wouldn't even consider myself a wrestling journalist, but um, I do cover the wrestling industry for a living, and I take a lot of pride in the professional wrestling business, and I feel like a lot of people take it for granted. I really do. And we'll hit into that as well at the end of this monologue. But, again, if this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button. And leave us a four or five star rating slash review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us expand the reach of the show. And um, it just tells everybody where they can find Who's Podcast. This, this show has been around for four years. It'll be five years uh, after WrestleMania 37. And this show's uh, been a love project for me, if you will. Like, I'm, I'm, as much as pride and how how proud I am and just how ha- how much happiness has came to my life with the transcripts. This podcast is really my passion project and I'm really proud of what the show represents and what it brings to the wrestling talking community. So again, I just want to thank each and every single one of you who support the show each and every single week. I also want to send a special shout out to Mar Renal. I uh, found out the news the other day that Mar Renal and WWE have amicably uh, agreed to part ways with each other. So Mar Renal will no longer be calling WWE matches, which is a bummer on my end because uh, Mar Renal, I, I make no bones about it. Mar Renal has been one of my key sources or my key references when it comes to the transcripts and calling out moves or not during matches, trying to help me understand the sequences that go on throughout these matches as well. And I just really appreciated what Marlo Ronaldo brought to the table as far as play-by-play commentary goes with WWE because 
I I know I'm the probably the only media member in wrestling who cares that much about the announcing and the play by play. But I really feel like those guys behind the booth are the key essential cog to what a pro wrestling show is. If your narrators can't get you invested and can't keep the energy of the show going, then you don't have a good show. It doesn't matter what promotion it is. You need to have your narrators set the tone of what your product is. And I think right now we're too focused on what we think booking and creative should be and what the in-ring action is, as opposed to having the commentators set the tone for you. I, I The reason why I got hooked into professional wrestling in the first place was because of Jim Ross and his energy that he brought during the Attitude Era. And it's the reason why I wanted to be a play-by-play commentator down the road. That's something I always wanted to do. And I really feel like if I can't keep you intrigued with what's going on with the product, even with this podcast, then I'm not doing my job right. And I shouldn't have this platform. So when I come on here, the ultimate goal is to remind everybody that, hey, you can have fun talking about professional wrestling. Are there times where I'll come on here and have something to critique or something that I didn't like? Yeah, but it's not going to be the overall emphasis of what my podcast is. I'm not going to come in here and pop a blood vessel 90% of the show. I'm just not going to do it. And I want to send a special shout out tomorrow because he just did a wonderful job. Whether he was on SmackDown, the Cruiserweight Classic, and NXT. And uh, I'll definitely miss hearing him on uh, WWE programming. So... I also want to mention really quick before we get into our uh, This Week in WWE conversation, I wanted to mention the fact that I, I seen a video the other day on Twitter from a popular YouTuber, and by the way, the Who's Podcast is available right now on YouTube, <laughs> youtube.com backslash Who's Podcast, and you can subscribe to the show so you can check out the video versions of these shows. Um, a guy named JD from New York. I'm sure all of you guys know him. Uh, I'm pretty sure you guys saw his videos spread around Twitter over the last couple days. Um, JD from New York is one of the perfect examples of why I have a love and hate relationship with today's modern wrestling fan base and consumers. I'm, I really don't want to come on here and bash other people that are trying to do what I do. I, I think this is a great opportunity for anybody who wants to be a broadcaster or a podcaster or anything. If you have a passion about professional wrestling and you want to talk about it, I think there's, I think you should go for it. I, I would never say certain people should not have the opportunity to talk about talk about professional wrestling and making a living from it. I think they, I think they should give it a shot. But when I see the content that a guy like JD from New York produces, I just think he in particular paints a bad picture of what I do for a living and what other other my colleagues do for a living. And some people just do it for fun. Uh, I, you know, I have my colleagues throughout this field. I have my good brothers. I have Matt. I have Tony, who do a wonderful job on TVD Wrestling Podcast. I got my older brother, Anthony DeStefano, with Ramp Foundation with Phil and Issa. They do a great job as well. NAI, New Age Insiders, just returned <laughs> last night. I'm recording this on Thursday, so shout out to um, Chris, Eddie, and Bill. Uh, they do a great job as well. 
the list goes on. Uh, three Count Thursday. Gorilla Position. Uh, another podcast that I'm a part of. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Shout out to my mentor, John DeHood, for having me on again uh, this week to uh, chat professional wrestling. Uh, love being part of the TWT tribe. It's, it's my favorite wrestling podcast. <laughs> uh, try to be as humble as possible, but I, I just love being part of that show with Hoodie, and I think we kill it each and every single time. So shout out to Hoodie. So you get the point where I'm going with. There's a lot of people that come on here and talk about professional wrestling. A lot of people, and I, I don't, I think, I, I think I've done a badge of of explaining this. And for those who are listening for the first time, I want to make this clear as possible. I am not against people who have critiques on professional wrestling. What I have an issue with is with people who take professional wrestling for granted and have an irrational dialogue on their shows, and it takes away from the enjoyment of being a wrestling fan. When I had, when people have to come on shows and start questioning people's IQs and try to play acts and have fabricated opinions, I have an issue with that. I always had a good uh, meter and barometer engaged on shady people and how people act. Uh, I've always noticed that throughout the years, just even outside wrestling, that's just how I am as a person. I could tell a phony person within a minute or two. And I think what's really unfortunate, you have a lot of talented people in this field who bust their ass, who come on here and talk about professional wrestling because... To a lot of people, including myself, professional wrestling is our biggest life escape that we go to whenever we're feeling down or we just need a break from everyday life issues that we have to deal with. And it's one thing to go on Twitter and come home from work on a Monday night and be in your feelings and you're bitching about Monday Night Raw every single Monday night and you know you use wrestling as an outlet for you to take your anger out on. If, if that's you on a Monday night... Cool, that's that's your prerogative. My issue is that over the years, we had so many people throughout the years, whether it's family members, people that we know just come by to you with the offhanded comment like, oh, you know wrestling's fake, right? Why do you waste your time watching professional wrestling? It's low-rent entertainment. We've had all these people try to come with justified reasons as to why you shouldn't be a professional wrestling fan. And then you have professional wrestling fans who come on these shows and pop blood vessels over the fact they're trying to make logic in their own fantasy bubble of how they would book a wrestling show when they never worked in the wrestling business in the first place. I, Joshua Adam Lopez, have never worked in the wrestling business. I am never going to tell somebody how to book their show. Do I come in here and I critique AEW's product? Yes, I do. But here's the difference. I'm not talking about their booking. I'm talking about the content in the ring. I think we had to separate fact from opinion. I come here, I share my opinions. Nothing I come in here is 100% solidified fact. If you believe in what I'm saying, I appreciate that. If you have to disagree with me, I appreciate that too. Either way, I'm getting a reaction out of you. I'm not going to come here and sugarcoat things just for the hell of it. I really feel what I really feel inside, and I express my opinion, and that's just what it is. 
I think we take wrestling for granted. I think there's a lot of great things about today's professional wrestling, but I think a lot of people take what we have for wrestling for granted because we're too fixated on pretending on something that we're not. And I had this conversation with Ant before we had this little hiatus from Rant with Ant when he came on the podcast and we had that conversation. As content producers, it's our goal to not only showcase and express our love for professional wrestling, but in my opinion, it's our goal to help expand the reach of professional wrestling and help the business overall. So if I'm coming on here each and every single week, and I'll tell you the 110 reasons why professional wrestling sucks in 2020 every single week, why are you listening to my show? Why are you watching my show? Why do you give two shits about what I have to say when I'm coming on here and being negative 100% of the time? Why, why would you want to be a wrestling fan? Why would you want to be a wrestling fan? <laughs> What JD for New York with this whole Roman Reigns rant the other day on Monday was just absolutely embarrassing. And it sucks that guys like that who take the business for granted gets the clicks from the sheep mentality in this wrestling echo chamber. While other people who bust their ass, I won't even put myself in there. I'm talking about other talented people who do podcasts on Fresh Wrestling. They bust their ass. And they get a fraction of the support and the attention that they actually deserve because they put out good content. I always believe as a content producer, as a guy who went to a media school and finished first in my class, as a trained professional broadcaster, I feel you owe it to your audience to be genuine with how you conduct yourself, the time and effort you put into your product, and also how you could, uh, how you hold yourself on air. <laughs> You know, I'm Puerto Rican. I understand I have my dyslexic moments here and there. And I, I maybe I'm never, I may never be the most polished person ever on the mind. But I feel like I'm genuine enough to a certain extent to you guys when I'm coming on here and speaking my mind. And uh, I'm not here to play favorites. I say what's on my mind. And here's the thing, guys. I want people to enjoy professional wrestling but not if we're just going to continue to take it for granted or the silliest semantical reasons. Popping a blood vessel over a Roman Reigns heel turn that was supposed to get you pissed off in the first place is giving WWE the attention they want. And that goes over people like JD from New York's head because they always had to play the I'm smarter, I'm smarter than you, I can write the show better than you type of mentality that we have in 2020. It's not even the reality era of professional wrestling anymore. It's just the snarky era of life. We have to have we have to be snarky and sarcastic with every aspect of life these days because we don't know how to hold a conversation. We don't know how to have a dialogue with people we have disagreements with, and we can't think for ourselves. And I think that's very unfortunate. The last thing I want to mention here for the monologue this week is my thoughts on the Chicago Bears QB Derby. We are about 10 days away for the first game of the NFL season, and the Bears will be starting their season in Detroit, Michigan, at Ford Field against the Detroit Lions on September 13th. By the way, it was my sister's birthday. Shout out to you, Alex. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I really haven't had a chance to fully go into this, and I'm sure I'll get to this as we get closer to the season, but 
The conversation, the vitriol on social media between Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky, whether who should be the quarterback and who shouldn't be the starting quarterback in week one, has been absolutely nauseating to listen and sit through while I'm scrolling down my Twitter feeds. I'll tell you this. I'm a big Chicago sports fan, right? I listen to all the Chicago sports radio stations. I listen to Bears podcasts. I'm a big Chicago sports fan. I, I'm sure a lot of you guys know that I spend a lot of my time covering professional wrestling, but I'm a really big Chicago sports fan and a big fan of Chicago sports media. And the root of my thought process when it comes to the Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles debate, whether who should be the quarterback or not, ties down to this. No matter who the quarterback is, Whoever side you're on in that fence, in that competition, in that competition, it's always going to be centered around confirmation bias. People are clinging on to Nick Foles to be the starting quarterback because the Bears gave him money and they traded a draft pick for him. And he has experience with the new coaches on the staff. The other people who are clinging on to Mitch Trubisky is for the fact that he has more experience with the players on the team. And he was the second overall pick in 2017. And on the other side of the fence, from a negative point of view, people will cling on to, oh, the Bears should have had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes because they automatically think those two guys were instantly going to be the same quarterbacks they are right now with, with John Fox and Dal Loggins as their coaches in 2017. You know, Bears fans practice in hyperbole just as much as wrestling fans do. They do. <laughs> we have the answers for everything that's supposed to go. What's supposed to happen with the Bears? I find that interesting. I haven't seen a really legitimate top ten quarterback in the city of Chicago of my entire life. I'm 26 years old. The last Bears quarterback to win a Super Bowl was Jim McMahon, and he was average at best. So when I read debates and I hear debates about Bears quarterback and what we should be looking for and what's the proper set of ideals to look for and standards to meet for an elite starting quarterback, I take this city with a grain of salt because nobody in the city knows how to evaluate quarterbacks if their life depended on it. They don't. They know how. They don't know how to evaluate quarterback, quarterback development. They spin that to, oh, see, Ryan, you're wrong, and it doesn't matter what Mitch does, whether he did win a division title or not, or lead the team to the position to win the playoff game or not. That doesn't matter because we got to cling on to, okay, Ryan, you're wrong, and here's why. And it goes back to the issue with society today. I'm right, you're wrong. The thing that clouds any sense of progress or any type of communication throughout this country, no matter what topic it is, I'm right and you're wrong. We cling out to confirmation bias because we don't have the ability to actually process what's in front of us. We don't. A guy was a Pro Bowl alternate in 2018. The guy had a shitty season in 2019. So 2019 had to be the season the Bears win the Super Bowl. Or that tells you every single thing you need to know about Mitch Trubisky. And that's what people don't want to mention. Because everything that you ever had, whatever thought you had about Mitch Trubisky when he got drafted in 2017, is playing right into your hands right now. Because, yeah, Patrick Holmes won a Super Bowl. He was the MVP. Deshaun Watson gets highly overrated by national media members. 
And here we are with Mitch, and we have to bring in Nick Foles in for competition. So if you're on the anti-Mitch, oh, Mitch is always going to suck since 2017. If you're one of the Chicago fans that booed him at the United Center at the Bulls game, you're getting everything you wanted. You're getting every sense of confirmation bias that you need to show Ryan Pace and the Bears that they made the wrong decision. So it doesn't really matter what he does. He can have a solid season. 25 touchdowns, 12 picks. They make a wild card spot in 2020. Oh, see, still, it's still not enough. It's not 40 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. It doesn't matter what Mitch Trubisky does because ever since he got drafted here, this city has wanted him to fail. They're waiting for the moment for him to fully break down to the point... Hey, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Was it because only on his skills or what the backlash was going to be publicly? Answer, answer me that question. So no matter what Mitch does, until the day he's out of this city, we're clinging on to confirmation bias because God knows in his fourth year, things can't click into his brain threshold and he can't ball out this year. I don't know what's going to happen. Honestly, I don't care who wins this competition. What I find interesting, though, is that we're not actually evaluating what's happening with the Bears quarterback competition. We're trying to project what the quarterback competition is going to be based on our preferences, based on our confirmation bias. And I just think that's stupid. Because it does nothing for the team, and it doesn't do anything for you as a sports fan. Because whoever gets picked... To start against the Lions next Sunday, you're just waiting in the back of your head. You're just waiting for the moment to say, okay, get this guy out, get the other guy in. It's the impulse that you're waiting to lash out at that quarterback, no matter whoever it is that starts. And, <laughs> God, man, I <laughs> I just want this season to play out, and we'll see where it goes from there. Bears made a decision. Hey, for those who are full of missions, the worst quarterback of all time, you're getting everything you want. Fifth year option decline. Probably be starting the season on the bench. We'll be gone after 2020. You're getting everything you want. But I'd be curious to see what the reaction is if things change and the, and the script is flipped at the end of the season. It'll be very interesting to watch. So, before we get into this week in WWE, I'll take a swig water break and we'll be right back. Alright, we're back. <laughs> Ready to go into this week in WWE. We had WWE Payback taking place from the WWE Thunderdome this past Sunday. Really solid show from top to bottom. Now, was this event necessary following SummerSlam? No, obviously, but... You take the content that comes in front of you, and it's on to the company to deliver some quality content. And overall, looking back on the looking back at the show now, I really don't think there was anything on the show that fully hurt any progress of the current stories that are being told or going into Clash of Champions at the end of the month. So I'm watching the show, covering it, transcribing it, and. I, was, I wasn't sure what to expect from the show. I was like, okay, they're getting this trial out thing where they have a pay-per-view following a big four show. And I, I was curious to see how they are going to go about it. Were they going to go through the motions? Would we get some good matches? Would this be like a regular Raw or SmackDown special event? 
and you just have DQs that leads into the, the following week's programming on television, I really don't know. So I, I, I wasn't sure what to expect, and that probably kind of helped my overall view on the show uh, from past Saturday, because I enjoyed Payback. I really did. There was matches that stood out to me. Um, it, <laughs> nobody could say that Payback was not an uneventful show, because three titles changed on the program. Um, I really enjoyed the Paul Cruz match with Bobby Lashley, the opener for the United States title. I, I, I mentioned this to Hoodie yesterday. I just thought it would have been a bad look for the Hurt Business if Bobby Lashley just lost to Apollo Crews. Because recently, uh, WWE has been having Hurt Business be like the baddest guys in the room, in the Raw brand. They're beating up people on Raw Underground. And then they just can't beat Apollo Crews. So, okay, you understand why he beats MVP and Shelton Benjamin. But if Bobby Lashley's the almighty... How would that almighty credibility be if Apollo Crews defeated Bobby Lashley at Payback? So, I thought this was a good match. Even though Bobby Lashley became the United States title, I don't think this hurt Apollo Crews whatsoever. And I thought this was a really good match to start out the show. Uh, you know, you had another dynamic on the show. You have a rising guy and then against another guy who's a veteran. You have Sheamus against Big E. And everybody talking about the push for Big E. Big E's... Uh, Getting ready to have his first run as a singles competitor uh, since the New Day uh, members Xavier and Kofi are out with injuries. They're at home, so they can't be on the show right now. And this was one of my favorite matches on the show. It was like a really good Hoss fight. You know, when it comes to Sheamus, he's going to lay his shit in no matter what match it is. <laughs> and Sheamus uh, and Biggie ripped it up. I really, really enjoyed their match. It was a fun match to watch. And, uh, it was a big victory for Sheamus on the pay-per-view platform, so I thought it was a really good match. If you guys haven't seen Payback yet, go watch out. Go watch Big Game Sheamus, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on it. Um, other stuff on the show that stood out to me really quick, I thought Shayna Baszler had the most impressive performance of the night. Her double uh, lock Kira Fuda clutch combo that made Sasha Bailey tap out. Uh, very, very impressive. Writing was on the wall, on the wall that Sasha and Baylor are going to lose the women's tag team titles. So, obviously, they're following through with their storyline there, and we'll see what happens next. But Shayna and Nia Jax are the women's tag team champions for now. And it looks like sooner or later, maybe they'll drop the, the titles to the Riot Squad. That's kind of my feeling where they're heading with this. So, uh, I was really impressed by what Shayna basically pulled off on Sunday night. Other stuff that stood out to me... Um, you know, I thought Corbin and Riddle was fine, but it wasn't something that I would go back to watch. I thought the match was a little longer than it needed to be. And when it came to a Corbin-Riddle match, uh, that match needed to have more of a no-DQ feel than just a regular wrestling match. So, um, I wasn't crazy about that match, but I didn't hate it either. Um, we had Seth Rollins... Again, Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy against the Mysterials. My favorite match on Payback. Um, I just love this match. It was a fun match to watch. And this match here with the, the Mysterials, Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy is a case in point of my love and hate relationship with tag team wrestling. <laughs> Sometimes I love tag team wrestling. And other times I can understand why Vince McMahon doesn't put as much emphasis on tag team wrestling. This match was awesome. Um, I really feel like Buddy Murphy's being elevated in this process just as much as Dominic is. And all four guys ripped it up in the ring. It was a really fun match to transcribe. And 
shout out to referee Chad Patton who did a great job in that match as well. So really, really enjoyable match uh, from Payback as well. And then what else? Really quick. Oh, Keith Lee and Randy Orton. I like the finish. I like the the fact that Keith Lee did beat Randy Orton. I thought that was the right choice. But I thought WWE missed an opportunity with showcasing more of what Keith Lee could do. And I thought the match was way too short than what it needed to be. And you know how I was mentioning how Corbett and Riddle went a little longer than they needed to? I felt that was kind of the case in point with Payback, too. Some of the matches went a little longer than they needed to. And you could have gave that more time to Keith Lee and Randy Orton. Now, here's the question. Do you even have Randy Orton fight Keith Lee that early, that quickly? Should that should that match should have been built up a little bit longer? Would you have Randy Orton fight Kevin Owens instead on the pay per view, and then you have Keith Lee beat who knows Dolph Ziggler, or Keith Lee beats Angel Garza to start out the show like that? You know, what what would you do? I'd, I'd be curious to see your responses for that. You can really pick out of the litter with that um, with the options there. You can pick anybody out of the roster. You have awesome matches. You can have Raynor and fight Kevin Owens to do the same exact thing they did on Raw where Aleister Black came out and <laughs> laid out uh, Kevin Owens. I think it would be really funny. I want to give a shout-out to Rant, uh, Rant Foundation for how they mentioned this on their show this week. It would be pretty funny if Aleister Black was basically... <laughs> The outside hitman for Randy Orton. I think that would be really cool actually. So um, I would like to check that out. And then we got to get into the main event. Braun Strowman, The Fiend, and The Big Dog. The Big Dog of the World Wrestling Federation. Roman Reigns is back. And he reclaimed his gold and his yard is proclaimed and restored. Yes! <laughs> So, Roman Reigns is the brand new WWE Universal Champion. The title he never lost is back on the big dog's shoulders. Right decision. Great execution. Really strong ending for the payback pay-per-view. We talked about this a lot last week, and I talked about I talked about it a lot with Hoodie this week as well. Um, the trajectory for Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman took the wrong turn with the fact that they had the title as a backdrop for their feud. And I mentioned it, and I'll say this one more time. Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman did not need a universal title to necessitate the reason for them fighting each other. And um, it was the right decision. I kept saying that I felt like the universal title was in limbo. And it's back where it belongs. It, it belongs on the shoulders of the big dog. And I'm happy to see him back. And I'm even more intrigued to see what he has to say now. He hasn't had a chance to really cut a full promo yet since aligning himself with Paul Heyman. He'll have a chance to do that tomorrow on Fox. And I'm curious to see what he has to say. I really am. And we'll see what happens. It's very interesting to see where things go with Roman Reigns and the Universal title as a whole. So we'll see what happens. Transition really quick to NXT Super Tuesday uh, from this past Tuesday night. Uh, They're doing a two-part NXT Super Tuesday on the USA Network due to the NHL playoffs also being on the USA Network. So they weren't able to (laughs) um, have their show on Wednesday this week. And they're doing it for the next two weeks, so... 
It's fine. Uh, it's kind of same similar deal with AEW with the NBA playoffs. So it really doesn't matter. But um, well, really quick, I I enjoyed the show. It was a pretty solid show. You had a couple of good matches. For example, the Legato del Fantasma Street Fight with Bree Zango and Isaiah Swerve Scott was awesome. Uh, just a fun match to transcribe. I thought Bronson Reed and Timothy Thatcher had a good match. Even though I thought that was the wrong time to have that particular match on the show. I'm uh, just curious to see where things are going to head with uh, Bronson Reed. Because I thought Amelia was going to be Damon Priest and Timothy Thatcher for the North American title down the road. But it looked like it took a, qu- a quick detour. But uh, it was a nice match to have on paper. But I don't know if it did anything for both guys. Um, love... Love me some Candice Array and love me some Tegan Knox Waterfall. Holy shit, man. <laughs> uh, the Shiniest Wizard, a.k.a. the Shiniest Waterfall. How about that? <laughs> How about that, pal? The Shiniest Waterfall. <laughs> um, I'm curious to see what happens to them. It looks like they're going to get into a rivalry with each other, which is fine. I, I, I said it already. I like uh, the heel version of Candice a lot. She looks even hotter with the heel look. And, um, yeah, I'm just curious to see where they go with this. I'm really intrigued by the feud. But what everybody's talking about, this big controversy this week in WWE, uh, the decision for the four-way Ironman match, the 60-minute Ironman match to end in a tie where Finn Balor and Al Cole will fight each other next week to crown a brand-new NXT champion. I, I was telling this to Hoodie, and I had a couple days to reflect on this now since it's happened on Tuesday. And if you're genuinely upset that you didn't have a finish that Tuesday night, I get it. For me, per, me uh, personally, I can only speak for myself, right? I understood why they did it. And, you know, to look at where they are right now with NXT and the fact they were promoting this as a two-part NXT Super Tuesday thing, right? I when they were promoting that a lot throughout the show, I had an inkling, uh, tingling in my head that <laughs> that was going to happen. We were going to have a, a decisive finish. My only issue with the match was that that match was on the wrong platform. If you were going to do the time limit draw or a no contest finish, that match should have been a four way match and just like that, like a no contest. Everybody's laid out. Or the match continues on and it just, the show goes off the air, you know. <laughs> they ran over time, pal. They ran over the TV time. Um, I think this Iron Man four-way concept could work on takeovers. I just don't think it's a good choice on television. So that would be my critique of it. Just so I, I'm fair here with everybody, right? Uh, Josh, you're just a WWE show. No, I'm not. <laughs> I spent more time covering other promotions than WWE. Get your facts fixed, pal. Uh, so, I, I really liked the match. But, at the same time, I thought it showed some deficiencies in Finn Balor. I thought he was very repetitive throughout the match. And I get it. There's certain parts of the match where you just call in the ring. And you got to stall for time because it's a 60-minute match. I understand that. But, when you're doing eight different um, parts of stopping somebody's chest in the quarter and they're still kicking out a coup de grace, it just makes your offense look dumb and illogical from my point of view. So, um, again, I think from a booking and whatever 
perspective you want to go from that point of view. I figured they were like, okay, let's shock some people. Let's have a non-decisive finish and it gets people to watch the show next week. And I put it out on Twitter. I'd rather see Finn Balor, if he was going to be the guy who wins the NXT title, right? I'd rather see him win it in a singles match than have him win it on Tuesday. We'll all give Finn golf claps and we just move on to the next thing. So would you take the reaction or just the regular finish and see what happens next? Because... You know, I, I saw some people like, oh, Rhea Ripley and Martinez would have been well enough to hook me for next week uh, for their cage match. I don't know about that. I'm not saying that I'm not interested in Rhea Ripley and Mercedes Martinez. I think that would be an awesome match. But the intrigue is finding out who the XC champion is. So the fact they are on Tuesday for the next two weeks, no, not, not next two weeks, the, the, this coming Tuesday for part two, we'll see who the NXT champion is and uh, we'll see what happens. So that was my thoughts on the whole NXT Super Tuesday thing. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, before we get into AEW, because we're about to wrap this up really soon. I want to mention a couple of things that happened outside the WWE AEW bubble. Is that okay with you guys? So, I want to start off with this. Eric Young is the brand new Impact World Champion. What the fuck? <laughs> Honestly, Impact, what are you doing I get it. You have a track record of bringing people that were misused or whatever the word or phrase we want to use here in WWE. But you're giving him the world title, what, two or three weeks after Slammiversary? What the fuck? (laughs) You're just proclaiming that Eddie Edwards was the face of Impact. And then you just have him lose his title like that. And what's even worse, when Eric Young wins the title, you have Josh Matthews telling people before the three count goes in, one, two, and Eric Young's going to be the we the world champion. I, <laughs> if there's one thing in 2020 that's always remained consistent as toxic and turbulent this year has been from every aspect of life, one thing's been consistent. Josh Matthews still sucks. He is the worst play-by-play commentator of all time. The worst. The absolute worst. <laughs> um, I, I, I get it. You want to have Eric Young be this destructible force. He's a world-class maniac. I'm, I'm a fan of his. I like transcribing his matches. Him and Eddie had a really good match on, tu- on Tuesday night. I enjoyed her match. But you're doing that now? You couldn't wait for Bomb for Glory to get the title to Eric Young? I just think it's a bad look when you bring other people in from other companies and you're automatically giving them title. I don't care what promotion it is. I thought it was stupid when Chris Jericho first came to New Japan and he already beat uh, Naito for the IC title. I thought that was stupid. I thought it was stupid that Brody Lee was getting a title shot right off the bat for the AEW World title. But you guys already know how I feel about AEW and their decision making. So, again, I, I just don't know what that does for Eddie Edwards. I think that's kind of spinning in his face. Okay, I'm not good enough to hold the title for more than a month. 
after winning that sign anniversary, you know, you make him set up hard to kill for the world title due to Tessa Blanchard and her shenanigans. We got to wait through the rest of the summer to get to San Versa in order for Eddie Edwards to become the champion. And then, okay, because Eric Young's here and he's from the WWE. Boom, here's the title. Here's the title, pal. Go ahead, take it. Bad, bad decision, man. And then, lastly, before we get to AEW this week, is New Japan Pro Wrestling. One of my favorite promotions in the world to cover. Just a fun product to watch. I would recommend everybody to start watching New Japan Strong. Um, no matter the website it is where you can find these shows where you don't have the money to afford for uh, New Japan World. Or even if you are a New Japan World subscriber, go out of your way to watch New Japan Strong. If you've been missing guys like Juice Robinson, Chase Owens, The Grills of Destiny, Jay White, um, <laughs> uh, David Finley, Kenta... Kenta, the winner of the 2020 U.S. Uh, New Japan Cup Tournament. Um, go check out. They're putting on some good content. And they had a really good match on the road to Fighting Spirit Unleashed was PJ Black and Chase Owens, the main event this week for the Ocean View, Ocean View Pavilion in Port Hunamay, California, pal. Um, really good match. I really recommend you guys go check it out. But what I really wanted to talk about is the New Japan Struggle Stadium Show, the end of the New Japan Struggle uh, Summer Struggle Tour, concluded last Saturday in Jinju, uh, the baseball stadium. And I thought it was a really fun show. Uh, the only thing negative I had to say was the fact that I'm, I'm still surprised that they decided they wanted to go with Toriano to pin Okada with this new concept of the KOPW, which basically means King of Pro Wrestling. So it looks like New Japan is introducing a new title called dubbed the King of Pro Wrestling. King of Pro Wrestling, Serious Wrestling, Technical Base, Serious Wrestling. And the participants you had was Okada, Sonata, El Desperado, and Toriano. And Toriano wins. So now if Yano makes it to... Uh, Wrestle Kingdom next year, and he's still holding that trophy. He's basically the king of pro wrestling champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling, the king of sports, right? The king of pro wrestling. I just think that's a bad look. I'm not a fan. I've never been a fan of Toriano, and I never will be a fan of Toriano. <laughs> he could go the fuck home and stay the fuck home. Shout out to you, old pipe bomb listeners. <laughs> um, my favorite match of the show was uh, Shingo Takagi. And more Suzuki for the never open weight title. You guys know my feelings on strong style wrestling. It's my favorite thing in all professional wrestling. And I thought these guys ripped it up. Uh, Suzuki is your new never open weight champion. It was just a fun, fun match to transcribe. And I really enjoyed it. And I thought uh, Suzuki and Takagi did a great job. And I want to also give a shout out to uh, Ta- uh, Hiromu Takahashi and Taiji Ishimori. I thought they had a really good match as well. Ishimori is your new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. And Bullet Club is looking to finally gain some more momentum since Adam, uh, Adam Cole, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega, or Kenny Olivier, uh, decided to leave New Japan Pro Wrestling. So they're looking like they're getting their momentum back. And then we had a super long IWGP Tag Team title match with uh, Suzuki Gun against Ibushi and Tanahashi. 
I'm really hoping this is the final time these two teams fight each other because these guys have been feuding with each other the entire year, and I'm just tired of seeing them wrestle. But um, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taichu retain over Tanahashi and Ibushi. And then um, the main event saw Tetsuya Naito defeat Evil to become both the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Champion. So um, I like what I've been seeing from New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they're trying to elevate more their mid-card division and adding some different layers to their product, and I like what they're doing, but there's other things they can work on and improve on as well. No wrestling company is without flaws, you know, so... Um, I like what I've been seeing for New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they've been doing a great job with their products. So, we recapped Payback. Talked about NXT Takeo- uh, I talked about NXT Super Tuesday. Yeah, my thoughts on the whole JD uh, from New York situation. And I need to give you some Chicago Bears talk. But right now, we're going to give everybody what they've been waiting for. The moment. The most requested segment in all of professional wrestling is what the hell is wrong with AEW? And we're going to start it off, not with me, we're going to start off with Brother Carter, and I'll bookend this conversation as well. So, this is What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Enjoy. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. What the hell is wrong with AEW? Ladies and gentlemen, I don't even know where to begin. AEW may be the worst major wrestling promotion on the planet. And I'm not saying that just to be one of those guys that's like, Oh, all the people are on board with AEW. You're just a WWE mark and have to go with the trends and have to go against what the internet is saying. No, I'm saying it because it's a bad freaking product. Okay, let's just recap the last couple weeks of Dynamite, all right? I'm going to start with last week's. and Well, I'm kind of going to intersperse the two, but let's just start from the beginning. Number one, the referee counted to four in the opening match. And in the week before, Rick Knox has absolutely no idea how to choreograph and how to participate in a professional wrestling match. His timing is off. His counts are fast or slow, or the, the cadence of the count is not consistent. He's out of place all the time. And just in general, the officiating in AEW is absolute garbage. Jimmy Corderas hit it right on the money when he said that it's absolute garbage and needs to be addressed. The company clearly doesn't know how to work the seven-second delay. If you remember last night, they got the words dickhead and shit in there twice, even though they tried to delay it. So that was terrible. Kenny Omega can't cut a promo. It's generic. It's boring. I'm not interested in what he has to say. Same with FTR. Uh, Tully Blanchard needs to talk for FTR because I think that that's really the only way that that's going to work. I, I, again, I just thought that the promos were terrible, all that kind of good stuff. Chris Jericho weighs 335 pounds, apparently, and not 235. Um, okay, the Casino Battle Royal segment was horrendous. It was unorganized. There was absolutely no flow to it. The promos were forced. People, and then they just start randomly getting into this thing, and then people get entrance music randomly and then come out, and it gets more than one segment. Are you kidding me? And then it randomly jumps to the Dark Order, which I couldn't give two craps about. 
which is, again, we're going to get to the Dark Order here in just a minute, but it's ridiculous. How how am I supposed to be excited for the Casino Battle Royal when you have, you know, Taz, Jake Roberts trying to cut promos on each other that just their chemistry didn't work. Eddie Kingston tried to, to save it, but his wasn't much better. And then they just randomly start fighting each other. People randomly come out for entrances. It was a joke. It was a disaster. I am not interested in the Casino Battle Royal after all, or um, after that promo. Trust me. Speaking of the Dark Order, it is a stupid cult. Why the hell would any of them want to stay with Brody Lee with, with how he treats them? It's absolutely ridiculous. Yet Brody Lee is the TNT champion. JR keeps referring to it as the world title, which tells you everything that you need to know that Cody is trying to push his title above the AEW World Championship, which is absolutely ridiculous. I just can't get behind the Nightmare Family versus the Dark Order. Why should I care about this feud at all? Like, I, I have no reason to care about this feud at all. It's, it's, it's going to fall flat. It's going to be awful. I can't stand it. Going back to last week's show, the Young Bucks can't act. They're amazing in the ring. I think that they're the top tag, one of the top tag teams of all time, but in they can't act especially Matt Jackson. He was horrible. That that confrontation with Hangman Adam Page was was ridiculous. I, I think it was absolutely awful. Transitions between AEW programming is terrible. Like JR trying to hype the pay-per-view. And this this wasn't just this week's episode of the show. It happens all the time. They, 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 they don't understand their timing between how to promote the show and, oh yeah, we're going to talk about this match now. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. They feel the need to show blood every week for some reason, this ridiculous amounts of blood. I get that it's a TV-14 program, but do you really have to show blood every single week? I don't think it's necessary, personally. I think it's, 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 it just doesn't make any sense to me. And then you have AEW's women's division. Ladies and gentlemen, AEW's women's division, not the performers. Let me just, look, I just want to state for the fact, this is not the performer's fault. But AEW's treatment of its women's division is nothing short of tragic. It's awful. It's clear to me they do not care about women's wrestling at all in AEW. They're all about just pushing their own agenda and pushing what the what, what the elite wants. It's very obvious because last week you had one match and it was a comedy handicap match that, that didn't showcase any of the talent of of its competitors. This week, you had the NWA champion versus a debut talent. None of AEW's performers competed in the ring. You had a segment with Britt Baker and Big Swole, but that's about it. By the way, AEW's world champ, uh, women's champion, Hikaru Shida, has not been in the ring in two... Like she saw, We saw her in a backstage segment last week and then wasn't even on the show this week. So that's what they think about their women's champion. The only saving grace to the women's division, I feel, is Dr. Britt Baker. She is a superstar. She is head and shoulders above the rest of the division and is not even close. She is the only remotely... And again, I think that all of the performers are capable and I believe that they're talented, but they're not being used correctly at all. The only one that's remotely being used correctly and doing what she's supposed to do is Dr. Britt Baker. She's head and shoulders above everybody else in the women's division. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with this freaking company? Why do people care about this company? It's an absolute joke compared to, to anything that WWE is putting out. AEW is absolute trash. What the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been 
What the hell is wrong with A-E-W? The salacious tones of one brother Carter. Oh boy. <laughs> Where do we start here? What the hell is wrong with AEW? Unlike JD, I'm not going to pop a blood vessel here. But I'm sure I'm not going to make any friends down in Jacksonville with what I have to say in this segment, nor do I care because I have to be authentic and genuine with you guys and I'm not going to come on here and kiss AW's ashes because they're in the new wrestling company and I'm the, I'm in the wrestling media so we got to prop them up to keep the whole WWE sucks narrative. No wrestling company is perfect right now. I want to make that perfectly clear before we go on with this segment. So, I'm watching Dynamite last night. This is the go-home show to All Out coming up this Saturday. I'll have the coverage for you guys on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com this Saturday. I'm watching the show, looking for something to hook me in. You know, there's a couple of matches on the card I'm looking forward to. And on the backdrop of this segment, I will get into more positive stuff from AEW because uh, they have a good opportunity to have a good pay-per-view on Saturday. But my overall vibe going into this show on Saturday is not good. It's not good. Where do we want to start? We want to start from the top and go all the way to the bottom? I guess we should do that. And I'm going to loop in a question here because it comes from a good brother, referee Tony S. from the uh, TBD Wrestling Podcast. And it has to start off with tag team wrestling. And you know how I mentioned earlier in the show, guys, I have like a love slash hate relationship with, um, <laughs> love slash hate relationship with um, tag team wrestling. I like good tag team wrestling, and then when I watch tag team wrestling matches in AW, it makes my skin crawl. Typing it out is not a fun experience. Because it's hard to really process and paint a fear the mind perspective of these tattoo matches that are just littered with spots and spots and spots and Ill- illegal tags. I saw a spot yesterday in the eight man tattoo match where it was like it was Jurassic Express and the Young Bucks against SCU and Pride Party. The winning teams fight each other all out. Done concept. So. Yeah, four babyface tag team, <laughs> four babyface tag teams fighting each other. Suddenly, SCU and Private Party are heels now because they have to fight the executive vice presidents and the 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 Jurassic Bungle Express with flat tires. Flat tires. I mean, Marco stunted growth. So I'm <laughs> I'm watching this match, and during picture in picture. Because I'm literally jotting down every move that's going on in these wrestling shows, even in picture in picture. So um, you guys get everything that happens in the match. They do a spot in the corner where three guys in the team tag each other in on the ring apron. How's that ever been legal in any wrestling match ever? I come on here every weekend to talk about these dumb simultaneous tags and these multi-person matches in AEW. Okay, one, two, three. 
If you wanted to have three people in a ring, you have a 10 second count. Just walk in the freaking ring. <laughs> you don't need to tag the person to facilitate that. First off, it's not an illegal, it's not a legal tag team concept or something that's been implemented over the years. Now, I get it. The Unbucks are the executive vice presidents. They booked the tag team division. So I guess they're going off by their rules. So basically they can do whatever the hell they want. But you got the the Rogue Bucks and the Jungle Bungle Express against two teams that are solely supposed to be heels now. Who the hell, first off, who am I supposed to cheer for? And you're making illogical tags. Rick Knox, you are the worst referee in professional wrestling. Let's start off with there. He's like a skeleton out there. A live zombie in zebra gear. And he's just letting everything go just because he's in the Young Bucks back pocket. And he was the referee for PWG. And they had no rules with their matches either. So, okay. I throw my hands up here. You guys do whatever the hell you want. The question I got... From Tony this week, and I'm going to read this right now. And Tony, I'm glad you asked this question. Now, brother, you are part of this segment. The question is, what are your biggest pet peeves when it comes to referees and their match officiating? My biggest pet peeves in refereeing when it comes to professional wrestling is every match in AEW, especially tag team matches. It's one thing to cut the ring in half, but not admonishing a team to understand the fact that both of you as a tag team need to get yourself over. So it's one thing to keep a guy trapped in a corner where you're doing in and out tags like the New Day would do with their new, uh, their unicorn stampede. But when you're doing when you're having a match and the layout is okay, I'm gonna hit you with forearm tag. Guy comes in reversal Irish whip clothesline tag. I just think it's illogical, and it makes not only the referee look dumb. You're, manipu- you're you are manipulating the rules, but these are baby faces doing it too. That's a problem as well. I feel there's no sense of direction of any matches in AW with the referees. That's a pet peeve. How am I supposed to follow along with the execution and how smooth these matches are supposed to be when they're not smooth? There is no direction. There is no storytelling. The layouts of the match suck. There's no psychology in the tag matches in AEW. I, I, love, I love seeing tweets. Oh, this perfect execution. This smooth processing in tag team matches. What are you watching? Are you kidding me? Just great tag team strategy. Oh, three tag outs on a ring apron. It's great tag team strategy. Give me a break, dude. So, that'd be my pet peeve. Tag team officiating in AEW is just absolutely embarrassing. It's macho fest. And it's just something that I'm not a fan of whatsoever. So, that's my answer to that question. Alright, let's talk about what else happened on this fun express of Dynamite. I love seeing Britt Baker. She's hot. She's a good wrestler. Burt Baker Appreciation Day. We can just give her the round of applause, right? But what in the blue hell is a tooth and a nail match? Can somebody explain that to me? 
Can anybody explain to me what a tooth and a nail match is? I love pro wrestling. But even then, pro wrestling acts dumb for their own good. What in the blue hell is a tooth and a nail match? At least I understand from uh, some type of logical sense for an eye for an eye match. You're trying to pluck an eye out of somebody's socket. Obviously, nobody lost their eye. But even then, I think tooth and nail is more insulting my intelligence than an eye for an eye match. And this is being booked by a guy who just went on a freaking press conference today and said that double or nothing was better than WrestleMania. Double or nothing, the casino ladder match, the worst ladder match I've ever seen in my entire life was better than the Firefly Funhouse or the ladder match that had John Morrison, uh, Jimmy Uso, and Kofi Kingston that's probably sold the show at night one for WrestleMania. Um, you're telling me that John Moxley and Brody Lee was better than the, the Boneyard match? No, you're telling me that same... Now, here's the thing. I understand that Tony Khan wants to prop up his company, and what else would you expect him to say? But to sit there with a straight face, objectively, and this guy who's a major mark for The Observer, all that crap Dave Meltzer is, like, like Dave Meltzer could do no, no wrong in Tony Khan's eyes. This is a guy who proclaims to be a hardcore wrestling fan. Objectively, you're telling me that Double or Nothing was better than WrestleMania this year. I, I can't do it. <laughs> I I just can't do it. It's just... It's just... I, I don't even know what to think about that. <laughs> Hell, the crap I took yesterday <laughs> was better than Double or Nothing. That show sucked. That was the worst pay-per-view of the year so far. And that was better than WrestleMania? Let's continue on with this uh, Dynamite show. Chris Jericho and Joey Janela. Okay, Chris Jericho's going to defeat Joey Nutella. No problem. Got it. Understood. He's having a Mimosa Mayhem match, and I still don't understand what the point of it is. I, I don't get that. I really don't. And then we have um, John Moxley in the main event against Mark Sterling. Dumb. Stupid. Waste of time. Padding stats because he has to be a guy named Mark Sterling. Awesome. That was the main event for a show that claims to be all elite wrestling. I'm watching this match and okay, cool. John Moxley wins. And he had the good part where NGF is beating it up. He busts them wide open, and that's how the show closed. No problem with that. Awesome. But it's just the premise that John Moxley needed Mark Sterling as a tune-up match for MJF. What does that tell you about MJF? The best guy on your roster has to be made to look like a joke when you have his lawyer be his last uh, be the last supporter for John Moxley ahead of their match at All Out on Saturday. I just think that's dumb. <laughs> I really do. I really, really do. And then the dumbest thing. I saw this week in professional wrestling, and we're gonna wrap the, wrap this up with this: the Casino Battle Royal segment preview, whatever you want to call it, was the dumbest segment I've seen in 2020. 
sloppy. You got Taz over-talking Jake Roberts. You got Jake Roberts who can't cut promos anymore. You got these guys fighting through pitcher and pitcher for a shitty bra. Oh my god, man. I'm still trying to get this out of my brain threshold. That's why I'm venting right now. It, I really don't even harping on booking, but it's just the content that's being aired on TNT. It's BS. You want to have this shitty ass battle royal? Have it on dark. I'm not coming in here to talk about your booking style, but the content that you produce on your show each and every single week on Dynamite on TNT sucks. It absolutely sucks. This is a go-home show, and you have an embarrassing segment that should have been aired on, tel- on worldwide television on your go-home show before a pay-per-view on Saturday. This is supposed to be AEW's second biggest show of the year, and you have this shitty-ass battle royal that goes on for 10 minutes. Not everything in segments for AEW needs to go on for 10 plus 15 minutes, by the way, too. So, with that all being said, that's been my thoughts on what the hell... It's wrong with AEW. Now, before we get out of here for the podcast this week and we get to the thoughts of Derrico, I'm going to give you my predictions for All Out coming up on Saturday. And I'm pulling up the card right here. Just give me one second. I'll pull it up for you guys. Um... As far as, by the way, as far as the Casino Battle Royal, um, I'll probably say Darby Allen wins or Lance Archer. Those would be my two picks from there. I don't see Brian Cage winning. I don't. Um, Britt Baker against um, Big Swole, the uh, two-fit nail match. Um, I'm going to go with Britt Baker. No, actually, I'm going to go with Big Swole to beat Britt Baker. Uh, Young Bucks against the Jurassic Express. I think the Young Bucks will beat the Jurassic Express. Um, Brody Lee, Cole Cabana, and the Dark Order against Scorpio Sky, Matt Cordona, and the Natural Nightmares. Um, I think this match belongs in the buy-in show. This does not belong on the pay-per-view, uh, unless Cody's going to show up during the match. I don't see the point of it. Um... I'd probably say the Dark Order defeats these guys pretty convincingly as well, so I'll go with the Dark Order in that match. Uh, Matt Hardy against Sammy Kavar in the Broken Rules match. If Matt Hardy loses, he must leave AEW. Can this match end in a draw and both of them leave AEW? <laughs> That'd be my prediction. How about that, pal? Um, you know what? I'll go with Matt Hardy. he probably stick around. I'll go with Matt Hardy in that match. Um, I mentioned the Casino Battle Royal already. Um, Kenny Omega against uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page against FTR for the AEW World Tag Team Titles. I think this would be a good match for a transcript point of view, but you, the thing is, will we actually see either Hangman Page turn on Kenny Omega, or Kenny Omega come back and be the real Kenny Omega and he'll be the cleaner again? I know they shared a thing on BT with him with the cleaner glasses, uh, which was cool, but. Either way, I think it's a good match, but I think the writing's on the wall. FTR will be your new AEW World Tag Team Champions, which is whatever, because <laughs> FTR hasn't made a lick of difference since they joined AEW, in my opinion. I like what they do. I think they're great wrestlers, but their promos suck, and I just don't know what, what the purpose of them is there. So 
Uh, Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy Mimosa Mayhem match. Um, I'll probably say Orange Cassidy beats Chris Jericho because Chris Jericho is probably the one who wants to be embarrassed in this match. So he wants to fight a guy who wrestles in the, uh, wrestles with pockets uh, put, while he's putting his hands in his pockets. He wants to do that dumb wrestling macho stuff all the time. So he'll get what he wants. Uh, Orange Cassidy will defeat Chris Jericho in the Mimosa Mayhem match. Uh, Thunder Rosa from NWA against Hikaru Shida for the AW World, Women's World title. This will be a good match, but Hikaru Shida will retain. And then finally, the main event, John Moxley against MJF for the AW World title. My brain is telling me that John Moxley will retain, but my heart is telling me that MJF will win. I'm going with MJF. I'm trusting my instincts. I'm hoping and praying that he does become the AEW World Champion. But what happened last night on Dynamite probably giving the way that John Moxley will probably retain on Saturday. So that'll be a good match as well. There is good matches on this card, but are you really interested? Is this something that you would spend sixty bucks on? I don't know. Um yeah, that that that's my prediction for All Out. They got nine matches on this card for Saturday night. I'll have the coverage for you guys on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Make sure to bookmark that site, guys. I've really been busting my ass with that website. Just trying to post out some good content and keep you guys updated with everything going on in the world of professional wrestling. So check out ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. You can follow me on Twitter, by the way, at the Who's Podcast. I'm also on Instagram, Instagram.com backslash JoshiLopez94. That's J-O-S-H-I-E Lopez94. And also, you can uh, check me out at Josh Lopez Music as well. And support Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday Podcast as well. So, for Brother Carter, I'm Joshi. I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to check out this week's podcast. Don't forget to smash the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, uh, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. really helps expand the reach of the show. Tell a friend about it so you never miss an episode. Um, make sure to support the Who's Podcast. We deeply appreciate the support. I'll be here next week, obviously, to recap all out for you guys. And, guys, around the corner, we got the G1 coming up, so that should be a lot of fun. And, um, again... Thank you guys for the support. It really means a lot to me. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. I hope you guys do enjoy All Out and um, have a wonderful weekend. So, for Brother Carter, I'm Joshy. This has been episode 221 of the Hoots Podcast. Don't forget to be the authentic product that is yourself. And also, don't forget, guys, have fun with professional wrestling and uh, make decisions on your own accord. I love you guys. Right now, we're going to sit it off. To Brother Carter for this week's edition of the Dots of Derrico. I'll talk to you guys next week. Yes, sir. And now, the Thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the most requested segment in all of wrestling podcasts. It is The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. Wow, we have a lot to talk about this week. It has been a very busy week in the world of professional wrestling, so we're just going to jump right in and get rocking and rolling. First, I want to talk about a couple of news items that uh, we heard this week. 
the first and I think the most crucial uh, and the most pressing, not pressing, but the most relevant in today's world is the news that came out yesterday that The Rock had the coronavirus, him and his whole family uh, tested positive for the coronavirus, and they had to deal with that over the past few weeks. As someone who has had coronavirus, COVID-19, and has experienced the symptoms, I can tell you folks, this disease is no joke. You feel, you know, you change back and forth from between hot and cold, you lose your sense of taste and smell for three days, and you just feel like general crap for the next little while. Your cough lingers around for the next little while, the next few weeks. This disease is the real deal, and I'm so glad to hear that The Rock and his family are feeling better. That's just a nasty, nasty thing, so... Hope that The Rock, glad that The Rock is feeling better. I appreciate the fact that he shared his story. Just a reminder, folks, wear your mask. This disease is a real thing. Going on to some other wrestling news, Marl Ronaldo has announced that he is not returning to WWE, that him and the company have amicably part way, parted ways. You know, of course, I'm sad as a as a fan. I think Marl Ronaldo is the absolute best in the world when it comes to being a commentator and being just his passion for the action, I think is, is second to none in the world of professional wrestling. But obviously he feels like he has other projects that he wants to do. And honestly, this is, doesn't really surprise me. I think that, you know, he's had some issues in the past with, with everybody. And I, and I certainly get it. I certainly a hundred percent get it. So I, obviously I'm, I'm sad that he's not going to be, with the company anymore, but I certainly understand, and we wish him nothing but the absolute best in everything that he decides to do. Brock Lesnar has announced that he is a free agent. I just, that's all fine, it's all well and good, but he'll re-sign with WWE once COVID is over, I believe, and we're getting back to normal with fans. You can't really use Brock Lesnar right now, because it's just it just doesn't have the same effect as when there are live fans. So, I believe that Brock Lesnar will be back. I believe that he will re-sign with WWE. It's not like WWE can't afford to pay him what he wants because Vince is not going to lose him to... Well, if he, if he goes back to UFC, that's fine. But again, if he could get paid to stay in WWE and you know do scripted fights instead of real ones, why wouldn't he do that? So I feel that Brock will re-sign with WWE. Not a big deal. I'm just not concerned about that at all. The PWI 500 has come out, and John Moxley of AEW is PWI's top wrestler of the year. I get it. I understand why he would be given that accolade, what he has done for AEW, and how he's revamped his career. I get it. 100% get it. And congratulations to John Moxley on that accolade. That's not who I would pick. My number one pick for the PWI 500 is Adam Cole, and I know he was number two on the list, but I've got Adam Cole. I think what Adam Cole has done with his reign as NXT champion, the amount of passion that he elicits from the fans when he does Adam Cole, baby, how he has embraced the WWE model, what he's done with Undisputed Era, now his recent feud with Pat McAfee, and just the, the mainstream media attention that he gets. I think Adam Cole is the best wrestler in the world. Well... I, I can't say. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. I mean, that's kind of a subjective term. But Adam Cole is an incredible in the ring, incredible on the mic. 
what he gets from fans, what he does outside of it with his Chugs Twitch channel and all that stuff that he does. Adam Cole is a super, superstar. He's my number one on the PWI of all uh, for 2019. But I understand and I certainly get it that I certainly get why John Moxley was named number one. And congratulations to him for that accolade. Okay, let's talk about some wrestling. And I, I want to talk about a few things. And this is... Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with AEW briefly. There's a few things that I actually enjoyed about AEW over the last couple weeks. But trust me, you're going to hear way more about... And and I'm not sure where Josh is going to put the clip in this. But at some point during this program, you're going to hear my what the hell is wrong with AEW if you haven't already. But I will say, AEW saving grace is MJF. He is a he is unbelievable at what he does. I I I've I've said that on this program many times. MJF is AEW's number one accolade. He's a superstar. He's the man. His signs around the ring are brilliant. His promos are brilliant. His in-ring ability is fantastic. AEW or uh, MJF is amazing. Also, I love Sammy Guevara's cards. I think it's absolutely hilarious when he does the picture-in-picture stuff with Matt Hardy. I think that's great. I think that's absolutely terrific. So, I think all that is going very well. It was amazing to hear Judas being sung live by fan again. That's always been one of my favorite parts about AEW is hearing the fans sing Jericho's theme song and singing Judas. I think it's absolutely incredible. And I am so thrilled uh, to hear that live again. That was cool. Also, last night on AEW, I was glad to see Serena Deeb make her debut in AEW. I think she's very talented. Obviously, she has a long career, storied career as a performer. So to see her in AEW was pretty cool. Okay, let's get into some WWE stuff this week. This week. I think the biggest news to come out of WWE storyline-wise, Roman Reigns has allied himself with Paul Heyman and is the new Universal Champion. Ladies and gentlemen, I think this is absolutely freaking awesome. Here's why. One, it was completely unexpected to see Paul Heyman, to see him ally with Paul Heyman. Like that was like that was just shocking. That was one of those like holy shit moments. So that part about it was awesome. Obviously, we knew he was going to be the Universal Champion at some point down the road. I thought he was going to get it at Clash of Champions, but they obviously put it on him now in kind of a Brock Lesnar squash type fashion to get heat on him even more than he had before as he was being shoved down your throat. So now everything that people complain about with both Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar are being combined to give it to the fans. And I think it's unbelievable. I've said that Brock Lesnar is WWE's most important commodity. Roman Reigns is going to be getting to that point. If he keeps this up with Heyman, I mean, he already was one of WWE's hottest commodities. I think he was number two. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Now I put him at his number three most important commodity in the company behind Brock Lesnar won The Fiend is two. But um, I, I think this is awesome. I love it. I can't wait to see where they go. Now that nobody can complain about Roman Reigns as a heel turn. Uh, so I, uh, not being, you know, they, sh- they should turn him heel. Well, they turned him heel. So let's see what they do with this. Speaking of The Fiend, I'm going to get an opinion piece about this up this week. But The Fiend, in my opinion, is the best character of this generation. 
At some point, he's going to achieve Brock Lesnar status. He can do that now where it only shows up every once in a while. People will pop every time, and he becomes the guy to beat at some point. So that's I really believe that about uh, The Fiend. I think he's by far the best character of this generation. I mean, no one's going to top The Undertaker, but The Fiend is going to be damn close one day. Also, Alexa Bliss is being possessed by The Fiend, and I love this idea. This is fan-freaking-tastic. The way that she can cosplay that Harley Quinn stuff and now combining it with her history with The Fiend and Strowman, I think this is genius. I love it. Alexa Bliss going back to that twisted heel character that she's had. We're going to see a whole new character, a whole new side of her character. I love it. I get her away from Nikki Cross or even maybe make Nikki Cross possessed as well because she did a great job being possessed when she was with Sanity. So I think that that's a great idea as well. I love this idea. I can't wait to see where they go with it. Maybe Alexa Bliss helps The Fiend win the title back at Clash. I don't know, but I 100% love it, and I can't wait to see where they go with this. Uh, Going over to Raw, Keith Lee is going to be a big deal in WWE. His matches with Randy Orton have been fantastic. He did a great job in the triple threat with Orton and Seth Rollins. He's great on the mic. He has a great look. Keith Lee is going to be a big deal in WWE. He's going to be a world champion at some point. No question. Keith Lee is unbelievable. So happy to see him on Raw. So I think that's going to be terrific. Um, Last thing I want to talk about this week is the breakup of the Iconics. I was very sad about that, but I understand. I think that Peyton Royce is going to get pushed as a single star, which I I agree 100% with. I think out of the two, she is... She is the superstar out of the two. And this is no knock against Billy Kay, because I think Billy Kay is hilarious. And WWE will definitely find something for her to do, because I think she's great as well. I hope she doesn't get lost in the shuffle, but Peyton Royce is a superstar. And I think we're going to see her in either, in the Raw Women's Championship picture at some point in the future. And those are the thoughts of Derrico for this week. My final thought for the week is, once again, ladies and gentlemen, wear your mask, be kind to each other, love each other, and we're all going to come out stronger on the other side of this. Thanks so much, folks. We'll see you next week. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.